We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We kind of wrap up our show with our sort of our daily mailbag, and we'll, we'll obviously answer a lot of recruiting questions because that's what most of them were. But if you have some team questions and things like that you want to throw in there, you can go ahead and do that as well. Yeah, wanted to start just with a super chat real quick from Garrett Nutson, Ivy Nation, always setting the standard. Thanks for today's show, breaking down the past weekend. 10K subscribers before season starts. Let's get it. Keep up the O line talk, Garrett. Appreciate you so much for that super chat, my friends. We're going to go to Rob Osgood. Hey, folks, thanks for the intel on the boards. Great info about C.J. Carr being the 2024 class. Would a early commitment affect Dante Moore? I would love to have both, but in your eyes, how would you proceed? Brian, we had a lot of questions about this layer of how – how I guess we can phrase it as does, the, does C.J. Carr potentially committing to Notre Dame affect Dante Moore? Does Dante Moore care about that? I guess let's just make sense of if either side really cares if the other commits. I don't think I just, I don't, it just rarely does. Um, Especially since Dante's the older one, I think it was going to impact anybody negatively would impact CJ more than Dante because CJ is going to look at it like, well, Dante is going to have a year head start on me, you know? So it usually impacts the younger guy more than, than the older guy. It just, Look, the thing is, is, is if if Dante Moore is the kind of guy that's going to be afraid to compete against C.J. Carr, then you don't want him. If C.J. Carr is the kind of kid that's going to be afraid to compete against Dante Moore, then you don't want him. Because the flip side is, let's just say Notre Dame does land Dante Moore. Then what's the question we're going to get asked in this chat? Are we now worried about C.J. decommitting, right? That's the conversation. The guys, these are ultimate competitors. Dante Moore is not taking June visits this month because he wants to compete at seven-on-sevens around the country. Why? What does he have to prove? Because he loves to compete, right? If he didn't want to compete, he wouldn't be doing these camps because there's always a risk of you failing and losing or not being successful. He's not going to be afraid of competing, right? He's just not. So if Dante Moore still believes Notre Dame is the best place for him, he'll still pick Notre Dame. He's not, he's not, gonna he's not gonna be afraid of that so um you know I, I i know that's the narrative that people like to to think but you know the reality is is that's just not how it goes right and right. if dante moore does pick someone else it's not because he's afraid to compete against cj Carr, because every single school that he's looking at is going to have somebody just as good as cj Carr ahead of him not behind him ahead of him again walker howard at lsu Connor Wegman at Texas A&M, Jake Garcia at Miami, Ty Thompson at Oregon. Those are the schools he's looking at, right? So the only way that I could buy that he's afraid to compete is if he goes to Michigan. Even Michigan yeah. State, they they drafted the, the the they got the kid like drafted. They got the kid from St. John Bosco last year who was a top 150 caliber quarterback, top 100 caliber quarterback I think on SI99. So um he he's not afraid of competition. He's if he's not afraid of that, of guys who have a head start on him, he's not going to be afraid of somebody behind him. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that was just not. that. That was my main thing. Is I, I, I could see someone being more 
looking forward than looking backward. I mean, why am I worried about the rear view? I have a year on this kid, right. right? In, in, on being on campus and being a part of the program. If anything, it would be CJ Carr looking forward and saying like, Oh man, they have Dante. There's a log jam. They have Buckner. They have Dante. They're recruiting great at quarterback. There might be a little bit of a log jam. I, I don't think that either is going to be the instance though. So right. it's a good question, Rob. I just, I don't think that it really is pertinent to either player to be honest. What I will say is this, if mm-hmm. all things are equal, a depth chart can be a determining factor. I, I, and it should be. I mean, it should. If like you are having, a, if you're, just, I love this school and I love this school, and I've gone through the both. They both check this. They both check that. The coaching is great. I'm just having a hard time. Then, then depth chart can be a factor. But that's not about being afraid to compete. That's just about weighing all the data and making an informed decision. And so sometimes depth chart is going to have an impact, but it's normally because it's sort of like a tiebreaker amongst schools I really like. If you like this school better than this school, you're not going to then flip it because of the depth chart. That'd be a foolish decision. And most kids aren't that silly. They're just not, especially not winners. I mean, winners aren't that silly. And, um, you know, I mean, Tua went to Alabama and they just had Jalen Hurts right right before him. Who went to a national championship. Exactly. Right. And yeah. Mac Jones signed in that class as well and waited four, three years, well, four years really, you know, started in his fourth year to get his chance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it goes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, I, th- I think that's an inherent thing that needs to make you a really good quarterback is that you're not afraid of that stuff, right? right. Like you're the guy, you know, like you have to have kind of right. that confidence working with you where you are the guy because you're a leader. So yeah, I agree completely. I wanted to bring up this one for Shane. It, well, Shane, I'm going to read it right now, but bring this back to us because we're actually going to have like a pretty much a whole show about this. Is it possible for Notre Dame to take six on the offensive line, say Page, Odding, Jagasaw commits and Freeling decides later, would they still take Freeling? It's a great question. Me and Brian talked about it extensively this morning. We're going to give this one the attention that it truly does deserve because it's a great, great question, Shane. So bring it back to us at a later date. I'll just say this one thing, Ryan, and this is why we don't want to get into specifics. I'm pretty confident the Notre Dame is not going to take six. Mm -hmm. But it's just what's the makeup of the five going to be? That's the the question. And so like I said, we want to hold off on that until after Monroe Freeling visits and we can kind of get a read for how it went with him because that's going to be part of it too, right? Like if – you know, let's see how it goes with him and, you know, and then, then you make some moves. So just, that's all we'll say for now is we just want to wait till, I mean, we could tell you a lot of things y'all, but it's just not going to be as informed as it needs to be because one kid just visited and the other kid hasn't visited yet for the official. And I just think that it would be just too soon. So trust me, this, this is a great question, Shane, as Ryan said, we'll dive into it next week, but we just, the reason why is because we just want to let those we know where Notre Dame stands with Jagasaw. We don't need a final visit for that. We feel good about it. But with Freeling, I feel like there's a lot more at stake in that visit, and that's why we want to just wait till that one happens until we really dive into that conversation. Absolutely. Now, Shane, it's a great question. Literally, 
me and Brian had a phone call about that earlier. So yes, it's, <laughs> it's a great question. Fantastic. We're going to move to Matt McCarthy, who says, is Caleb Downs a long shot to pick with Notre Dame similar to Richard Young? Or is it a scenario, scenario, excuse me, can't speak, where University of Georgia and Alabama are the favorites at this moment, but it wouldn't be shocking if Downs picked Notre Dame at the end? I would not call him I, – I would, I, would, I would differentiate between Downs and Richard Young. I would. I don't think they're going to get either of them, but I would be less shocked if Caleb Downs picked Notre Dame. I think Caleb Downs like Notre Dame a lot, like a lot. He's making his fourth visit to campus. Right. He's a high academic kid. It's just, I think at the end of the day, one school has a better track. Two schools have a better track record of consistently putting guys in the NFL from the positions he wants to play. I think that's really what it boils down to. And distance. His brother's in North Carolina. His dad's in Tennessee coaching, coaching, you know, doing his thing. I just think those things are going to factor in. But as we said last week, just because a kid picks another school doesn't mean he doesn't love the other schools that he didn't pick. I think Caleb really likes Notre Dame a lot. I just think at the end of the day, Georgia and Alabama are in a better position. But if Notre Dame wins that one, I won't be shocked. I'll be shocked if they land Richard Young. It'd be a good shock. And it's not because Richard Young doesn't fit at Notre Dame or that stuff. It's just they got in it. I mean, they, they became a player. So it's hard to go from outside the top seven to number one without some things happening. And, but that's, I, I might be less shocked over the next month if certain things happen and we'll dive into those as they happen. Uh, and they're about, you know, schools filling up and that kind of thing at that position than anything else. Yeah. No. Nah, and I mean, Caleb Downs has been on the board and he is, you know, it's kind of been, I mean, he's had interest in Notre Dame. Like you said, he's been to school. He's been to the campus multiple times. This is, I mean, when Richard Young confirmed the official visit, that was a shock to us. Like, let's be honest about right. it, right? Like, we were like, whoa, that's weird. Caleb Downs coming back to campus is not a shock to us. We know that he right. has some interest. Is it enough? He's we'll got a lot end. of interest, right. right? Right, exactly. So it's, it's Richard Young would be a long shot. Caleb Downs would be a surprise is how I would kind of maybe right. label those. It'd be, now, I'll put it, one is an upset. Mm-hmm. One is a shocker. Like, getting All-time Richard shocker. Young is like right. App State beating Michigan. Sure. Uh, Notre Dame getting Caleb Downs is sort of like <sighs> Ohio State beating Bama in 2014. Mm. Right? I mean, yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. And Bama was up big early. And Ohio State came back and put it away late, right? Like, But you're not shocked that Bama beat – it was an upset, though, right? But you're not shocked that they beat Bama. But it was an upset. So that's what I would say. Maybe not App State beating them. I think that's probably unfair to Coach McCullough and the staff, you know. But but um, it, it's a pretty big surprise. It'd be a pretty big surprise. It'd be, it'd be like an unranked team beating, you know, Pitt beating. How about this? Pitt beating Clemson in 2016. How about that? Mm-hmm. A decent team, you know, decent shot, but but no one expected them to beat Clemson at Clemson. That, that, that's it's more of that kind of. Uh, wow, that's a big upset. It's a big upset, right. no question. Yeah, I'm filtering some questions, Brian, because we had a lot of questions about CJ Carr, even mm-hmm. before CJ Carr announced that he's making his decision on Thursday. So just want to pull this last one up about CJ's situation from John Leahy. I wanted to just go buzz through this one real quick. Would Notre Dame take CJ Carr's commitment before a Dante Moore decision? And if so, how would it affect Dante Moore's recruitment? We we covered the second part of that. We don't think that it's going to affect Dante Moore's decision if, if CJ Carr does select Notre Dame on Thursday. All I'm going to say about this is yes, they would take they would take his commitment from CJ Carr before Dante Moore. Yeah, you don't have to worry about whether or not Notre Dame would or would not take his commitment <laughs> if that were the decision on Thursday. Exactly. Not saying it is, but yeah, yeah. We we just we we don't see Dante Moore making a decision before Thursday. Yeah. So in the right. in the in the happenstance that CJ does pick Notre Dame, then that would be a reality that happens. So John, appreciate the question. We're going to go to Kellen Coher, Cohorst, excuse me. Are there any updates on Ryan Wingo? Last time I talked to Wingo, I actually talked to his uh, the head coach for his high school. So the, the story here is it seemed like Notre Dame was kind of really focused on the 2023 class, and they were kind of not talking to a bunch of 2024 wide receivers at the time. So Ryan didn't hear from them for a couple weeks. And since that, yeah, you've heard from him. Very often, a couple times a week now, uh, they're checking in on Ryan Wingo out of the Missouri area, who's one of the top receivers, maybe the top receiver in the 2024 class. It's very arguable in that instance. So they're making him priority. 
And all I'll say is after talking to his coach, I believe that this kid is absolutely a Notre Dame fit if Notre Dame is able to land him. It's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of teams after him from the Ohio States down to the SEC schools. But Ryan Wingo is a very talented player who is a high academic kid as well. So no huge update except for that there is interest and he is a good fit for Notre Dame in my opinion. Yep. So Ryan, I'm going to, I'm going to grab this uh, next one. Cause I think this is an interesting one here. Um, okay. I want to kind of get your thoughts on this because I've kind of talked a lot about this, uh, but I want to, I want to hear kind of what you have to say about it, you know, and it's cause it's like one of the two things we always hear about, right? Like number one is quarterback recruiting and the other one is NIL. So I'm going to bring up this question from Brandon K. And he says, so since you have outlined what you think should happen with NIL, what do you think will actually happen? Will the NCAA do something or are we stuck? I think I've kind of made my opinion known on this, of the fact that I don't think the NCAA is going to do a gosh darn thing. Uh, But I want to get your opinion because I've talked a lot about this, right? Like number one is like, do you agree with me about what NIL should be? It should be about the players that are on the team. It should be all, or are you okay with the enticement? I mean, you're, you're allowed to disagree with me. And then, what do you think the NCAA will do, if anything, about all this? I mean, am I supposed to have faith in the NCAA doing something with foresight? I, I, I mean, we've already gotten past that, right? I mean, it's we talked about this, Brian, in the one show. I think both of us could have predicted that once NIL was on the table, that there was going to be some repercussions from a recruiting side of things, right? There was going to be some type of enticement that was going to happen in that regard. So I don't have any... I don't have any confidence that the NCAA is going to do much. My, my point of this is that there needs to be some type of formatting of the NIL thing, right? Like I need, I, I want, and I've wanted for a long time, college athletes to get paid for the name image like this. I am all for that. All I'm going to say is the system that is currently here or lack thereof, it's not working. It's not working. This is not what NIL was meant for. This is now a, This is a pay for play at this point, right? Like this isn't them making money because a company looked at them and said, your brand would be very good for our brand. So we're going to give you money to dispel our brand, right? Display our brand, excuse me. So I don't have any, I I think that it's a slippery slope, but there has to be some type of stipulations that are part of it. And I have no confidence in the NCAA doing anything anytime soon about it. And if a company feels that a high school kid could bring value to them, then they should be allowed to sign that high school kid to a deal, but it cannot in any way, shape, form or fashion be um, determined by where he goes to school. So if a Tennessee booster, Miami booster says, Hey man, we can give you $2 million. If they talk about, if you come to Tennessee violation, you're done. You're not eligible to go there. Right. If you take that money, you can still go to Tennessee, but you can't take any money. Can't take any amount of money. Sure. Or you can go to, you know, you can take the money and then go somewhere. As long as, as long as they start doing something like that, I'm also okay with these high, these big name high school kids, like, you know, uh, that, that everybody knows and there's popular kids and these companies may find that a kid brings value to their company, but it cannot be tied to a specific school. So if you're a Texas A&M booster and you want to give a kid a $2 million deal, that's fine, but you need to sign him before he, he signs to college. And that money needs to go where, so the deal you sign with him, is fine, but he you have to do that before he signs with a college. You can't offer him – it's tied into a college, right? So if you're going to offer him that deal, he can sign it whenever the heck he wants beforehand, and it can't be tied into a school. So if you right. offer a kid $2 million and, you know, and you're a Texas A&M booster and you sign that kid, he can go to any school he wants to and, and still be that. That's the risk you run. You know, mm-hmm. for going after a high school kid, but it cannot be an inducement. And if you were, and if you take it away because a kid picks another school, that's a violation, and you're, you're going to get in trouble with the NCA. That's what needs to happen. But I have zero faith, Ryan, that that's going to happen. And I think that's where you're getting at. Like, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. things that should happen, but that would assume that the NCA is responsible and incompetent and, and has any interest in doing this. And um, they've gone from one extreme to another, like this uh, and stupidly insane view of amateurism. And Sean and I talked about this on Saturday. I'm a big proponent of amateurism, big proponent, because I don't think these kids should be. Um, I don't think these kids should be employees. I don't. Right. Uh, there's a lot of drawbacks to that that people don't want to consider. So I don't want them. I don't. I don't want them to not be amateurs. 
but I don't think amateurism is tied to you can ever, never, ever, ever, ever profit from, you know, certain things. Agree. So, um, you know, I just, um, I have no faith it's going to change. Nope. I have zero, zero faith that it's going to change. So it's something that we're going to continue to talk about because it is real world and it is not changing. And I think that's the, that is the really disappointing part of the fact that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people could have predicted that some things were going to happen in this regard, right? Some, some pay for pay for play, excuse me, some enticement, but there was no foresight in this conversation. So want to move on to we'll go to coach brent 574 which will happen first number one recruiting class for notre dame using the 247 composite or any of the four services or a national championship so brian is notre dame going to sign the number one class in a particular cycle on any of the major recruiting platforms or are they winning a national championship first Boy, uh, any of the major platforms, so uh, any of the four services, that better include uh, SI99 and not ESPN. Otherwise, you need to jump that up to five. But I will say this. Since I consider SI All-American a one of the four services uh, to be discussed there, I care a whole lot more about their rankings than I do ESPNs. I would say that the the – National championship would have to happen in 2022, like this season, for that to not be the case. Because I think that Notre Dame has a pretty good shot if it's just one um, of the services that I think they have a good shot at landing the number one class in 2023. And and so now if you're going to say all of them, I think it's I still think it's going to be tougher for Notre Dame to sign the number one class just because of how lack of trust I have in this. I mean, Drake Bowen's going to continue to fall. If Brandon Vernon started like floating out like false rumors about him flipping Ohio State and his ranking would go back up again, if he let that drag out for a couple months, if he took visits, his ranking would go up again. You know that it, it just that's sadly that's the nature of this animal. And so because Notre Dame's filled up so early, you're going to just see more and more of those kids fall. It's stupid, but it's going to fall. The reason I, I I like the way that SIL American does it is because it's more of a, an objective, a subjective ranking. They take into account need fit how you built the class all you know depth of talent across the board and then come to a decision on evaluation not just a points-based system where texas tech can have the number one ranked class for half the time and so that would be my stance yeah no it's 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 very well said I'll, i'll say this I think Notre Dame, I think everybody that ends up in Notre Dame's class should just decommit and say that they're going to go to Alabama for like a couple of weeks. And then right before signing yeah. day, then they should all sign. Right. right. So then they, they can would get all, the, yes, they'd all yeah, skyrocket. They'd all skyrocket. <laughs> Notre Dame would have 18 five stars at that point. But yes, no. <laughs> all joking aside, all joking kind aside. Of. Kind I mean, of. Sort of. But yeah. I, I, I mean, I still realistically do think that Notre Dame has a chance to fight for the number one ranked spot in the 2023 cycle, though. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But I'll lean towards the recruiting first, I guess, because again, I'm kind of optimistic, but may end up being a push. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a twenty. Because and then the other thing is like, okay, which which signing day would it be? Do That's they have to point. be number one ranked at the after the December signing day, or do they have to then hold it into February? Because then that goes into the timing thing. But I would imagine it have to be the February one, right? Yeah. Which is why I said you it would have to if Notre Dame would have to win a title this year, to your point, Ryan, they'd have to win a title in January to win a title before getting a number one class. If they do finish with the number one ranked class. It's very true. Timing is very important there. Yeah. I would agree though. It has to be the February one. Cause otherwise, you know, it's not a complete class. So yeah, right. agree. Agree. We're going to move on to this is an interesting one. Brian start earlier from Rob Osgood said, in your opinion, what group providing who we get this year needs numbers in the 2024 class. I don't like numbers rather than talent, but what is the highest need group? Hope that made sense. Thanks. Yeah, Rob. No, it makes total sense. You're saying based upon what numbers Notre Dame is potentially getting positionally this year in 2023, what and kind of having some forecast of what the roster is going to look like after the 2023 season, what are the important spots for Notre Dame to land in the 2024 recruiting class? Well, my answer about numbers. 
I, I guess I got a little bit thrown off by the numbers versus talent thing. Is he focusing on what's the biggest from a numbers I, from a need I, standpoint? I, I think he's talent? saying from a volume perspective, what okay. positions have the most need is is what I'm taking from. Okay, it, so. what, what would your answer be, Ryan? I, I mean, I think you have to look to the positions that have a usual high volume to begin with, right? So that's offensive line, that's defensive line, and we're not we're not going to group cornerbacks and safeties together. But usually, there's bigger numbers of wide receivers in some years. I'd probably say offensive line because after I mean I'm trying to think right so after the 2020 you're gonna probably season, you're saying are you thinking you're probably gonna need another four man class next year is that what you're saying probably yeah I'm thinking four I mean if Notre Dame does go five this year I think you could still get to a four man class next year because you have to have again some foresight with is Blake Fisher going to be there in 2024 is Joe Alt going to be there in 2024. Andrew Christophic's probably going to be off the roster at that point. Maybe Zeke Correll. Like, you're going to be losing some guys, right? So, offensive line is my immediate one. Thinking about defensive line, too, I think, like, those are the ones that are in my head, like, are butting back and forth a little bit, right? The defensive line versus the offensive line. It's the typical ones, though. It's the ones where you usually get a high volume of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of my initial thought, though. Because it's not going to be quarterback, obviously. It's not going to be running back. You're probably going to get two at most in most classes for a running back perspective. Maybe four receivers, depending on how this shakes out this year. Maybe. I'm going to be honest about something. Yeah. I am emphatically, belligerently against ever taking six offensive linemen in a class. But I believe for every rule, there's got to be an exception. I honestly, looking at the 2024 offensive line class, it's a good class early, but it's, 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 I would just say I would, I would take six linemen in this class if I could get them. And and it's, it's rare. And I would say that, but I think there's a couple enough guys, Pendleton, Odding, Page, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are projectable guys. And there's enough guys like Freeling and Jagasaw who are maybe play really early kind of guys that could be in a similar boat to Joe Walton, Blake Fisher, that you could get some separation there and then take three next year. That's what I would do, which I say that to answer my question of, which is why I think D line could end up being the biggest class next year in, in that you signed five O linemen last year. If you signed five again this year, and I think they're going to get the five, it could be smaller group next year. Whereas I think they need another four plus D line class next year. Cause I think you're going to see some departures from the current roster. You're going to see some guys go pro, you know, stuff like that to where, I mean, it's not a guarantee Riley Mills is still going to be on campus when the 2024 class shows up. Right. Sure. The Adam Eulers are gone. You know, I mean, what's crazy is Tyson Ford will be a junior when that class shows up and kids never played it, you know, never it's nutty. Right. That's just, you know, so I think I'm going to go D line. If we're not going to include sure. the secondary together, then I'm going to go D line. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's right to include safety and corner together, even though it can be interchangeable sometimes. Yeah. But I'm just not going to do it. I That's think a- for this type of conversation, we could. Yeah, for the same reason that we we would put D line together. It's not the same because D tackles and DNs have to play together. Where secondary is a little bit different, but I think for this type of conversation, you could. But I'm comfortable not doing so. To be honest with you, I'm comfortable keeping it That's the way fair. that we have. I, I guess one thing that I want to see with the secondary also is do you get to a third safety? Do you, do you get to do corners? Like, what did the number end up at? I feel like this is a right. Rob, I feel like this is a great question, especially at the end of the cycle when we see exactly what the numbers are for each right. position, right? Like, we know where they want to get to, but I actually want to see like tangibly what number do they get to in this class, right? right? Like, I think that that's important to talk about ryan i have a question that i want to ask you this is yes. from brandon with a super chat brandon mm-hmm. wants to know because i kind of i think i already addressed this earlier uh yeah so i want to ask you this question who are your top two 2024 tight end targets that you'd like to see notre dame take and that they also have a realistic shot with yeah the realistic shot takes it a little bit because i mean the, the real answer would be if, if it was anybody i would throw jonathan Eccles in there out of img but i just i don't see that there'll be a big player in that one out of the players that i think they do have a shot at i would say jack larson would be in there for me i think as a move tight end and then i would want to get a little bit of size with him right so martavius collins is a kid that we, he hasn't gotten to campus yet we'll see what happens with that one brady priestcorn 
was just on campus here, obviously, uh, this this past weekend. Landon Thomas, you know, again, how serious of a one is that? So for now, of the reasonable targets, just because I don't know, I, I don't think they're going to get in with Eccles. I don't know what's going to happen with Thomas. I'm not sure about Collins either. So for those two, I'm going to go with Jack Larson and Brady Priestcorn, who I think is a pretty interesting one-two tandem. You kind of talked about this early, Brian. It's like Precorn is a... 6'6", 220-plus-pound yeah. guy who's going to be a massive kid. And then you have kind of the move piece in Jack Larson. I feel like those guys could play well together. So a realistic combo, I think that they make some sense. I, th- I think that's a great point, Ryan. I didn't really I didn't really think about that earlier. Like, I'm told who my top two guys were. Uh, I mean, if, if it I, – I think – I mean, I, look, I think Notre Dame has a shot with just about any tight end outside of Eccles. So I would go with Landon Thomas and, and, and uh, Jack Larson. Sure. But I think your point is is if take away you know how you rank them in your top two and all that kind of stuff. I I like the idea. I like the thought of um of the compliment of Priest Corn and and Larson because mm-hmm. I mean watching them this weekend, like they're very different players. I mean very. one six six and long and and a vertical guy and a traditional tight end. The other one's a an H back type as well. So it'd be a really nice compliment. But my whole thing is though, taking away who we like best, of all the quarterback of all the tight ends you mentioned, Ryan, there's not a bad answer to who that combination would be. No. And you could throw in a couple of kids who don't even have offers yet, and it would still be the same way. Yeah. I mean, I would love for them to be able to get Nickel um Eccles from mm-hmm. IMG. I mean, that kid could be a defensive end or a tight end at the next level, and he's right. a really talented player. Yep. If if I just threw in some general interest, I would probably throw Landon Thomas in there, replace for Priestcorn, because mm-hmm. I mean that kid's he's got the goods. So yeah. Great question though, Brandon. As always, appreciate the super chat as well. I think Brandon, you said that, uh you said in there that also that um that we, there was a second super chat that we missed. Uh, I don't know what I don't see the other one. I thought we got to both it's, of them. So if, if we still missed one, just put it again. Don't do a super chat again. Just put what your question was again. If yeah. You could. Well, you want to get through a couple of these super chats. Zach Martin sent us a two dollar one there. I, Nathaniel I Plucker is the I natural plucker. Oh, natural. What did I say? We were saying Daniel? natural. You said natural plucker. Yes. So I, I dig that. I, I love that. I Zach, he's a natural plucker of the football. His very yeah, strong hands. That's like the new that. IB band name. So that'd be a horrible band because I can't sing. And um, the only instrument either. I know how to play anymore is the saxophone. I don't even know how to play that anymore. But you know, I was never very good at piano and I was pretty good at saxophone in middle school, but that would be a lame band. I don't know. Well, that's, can that's you sing? Than, I don't know if no, Sean can sing. No, I know Vince can't no. sing. But Vince would at least give us a bass. We would sound terrible. At least we'd have different octaves. You know, Vince would give us the bass. Him and Sean Styers would give us the bass. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, you can you can ask Caitlin, my wife. Um, I can't sing, but I that doesn't stop me from doing it. Right. Okay, so <laughs> we'll jump over to the Spanky Four Twelve. Another super chat. Will God require CJ Carr to go to confession for his grandfather's sins before he lets him lead his offense? Just a. No, he will not. <laughs> Smacky yeah. appreciates the super chat, though. I had to get it up there. I think that I think that a commitment would would kind of do that, don't you? Yes, that would validate it, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. So, thank you for we'll, the super we'll, chat. We'll see though. what we'll see what happens. Yep. I'm gonna go to D Troll Hunter here, Brian and Ryan. Do you think the offers coming out of the camp are designed more to keep hype for next season's camp than committable offers? No, I don't. I mean, I think that for me, it's about the verifying what you saw in film, right? And just being comfortable with what you saw. And I think that you, a couple of these offers, again, we talked a lot about Aeneas Williams today. He plays uh, at a little bit of a lower level in in the in Missouri. So you wanted to see if he is a legitimate 5'10", 5'11", 190 plus pounds. Like you want to be able to just verify those things because sometimes those things are hard to tell in film. So I just think... It's seeing a player in person and checking that box is what kind of sells it. I'll say this uh, to Ryan. We don't have a lot of history of Notre Dame staff, this staff and what, how they handle camps. This is the first one that this staff has primarily done. I will just say in the past, um, 
when a kid got offered at camp, it was committable. I'll say this. I also think that if you start throwing out a ton of offers to kids that aren't committable from the camp in order to promote the camp the next year, that's where it spreads. Like, like, and, and it's going to, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. Look, every school does the whole, yeah, you have an offer, but it's not committable thing. That's just part of life, sure. you know, and it's unfortunate when kids don't understand that and the communication isn't what it needs to be, but that's part of, that's part of the business. Right. But if you start throwing out like fake offers, essentially at camps to get kids to come to your camps, then you're, you're going to develop a bad reputation. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I think of anything, the, the thing that helps you the most is, um, it would be the opposite, right? It's you're, you're going to bring, you're going to wait to offer a kid that you really like that is camping at Irish invasion. And then if you land him, you can then say next year, Hey, we signed eight kids that got offers from Irish invasion or, or five kids, or, you know, like, Hey, you know, you signed Garrett Stover and Aeneas Williams and, you know, my, uh, Mylon Graham and Bronte. I mean, you know, if you signed all those kids who got offered at the camp and all of a sudden it's like, dude, you know, you, if you want to be at Notre Dame, go to camp because if you show out, they'll offer you and you got a shot. And there's a long history of that, of guys earning those offers. I mean, going all the way back to Tyler Eifert. So I think it's the opposite. If, if they were going to use, if the timing of the offers was going to be used to manipulate future camps, it would more be about holding off on committable offers for camp than it would be throwing out offers that aren't committable. That That's my, that's kind of would be my, my, my two cents on that one. Well, that's how I like, that's why I like how Harry Heastan does it, right? Like right. he identifies a small number of players and he lands them. Like it's, it's no, like a, it's not like, I feel like it looks a yeah. little, I don't know what the word is. I don't know, like a suspect evaluator. If you're just throwing out a bunch of offers and maybe you can't really, you know, f- um, sign in on a, on a guy like that. So yeah. Um, good question though. <clears throat> Detroit, appreciate you very much. We're going to go to Brandon listener again, who asked, is the staff recruiting, <clears throat> excuse me, Bronte Johnson or Tay Tay at defensive back or wide receiver. He is the in-state wide receiver slash athlete out of the, um, out of the Fort Wayne area. So Brandon, it Brian was there and he took every rep, <clears throat> most reps yesterday as a defensive back. He took very rare reps at wide receiver. Notre Dame is recruiting him currently as a defensive back. I believe it is exclusively as a defensive back. I'm not sure if it has the athlete label on it, but to my knowledge, it is just strictly as a defensive back. So I see them because I mean, I'll be very honest. <clears throat> I like to think I'm a very honest person. I saw some reps of him playing wide receiver and I just, I didn't love the hands, man. Like I I don't think that he is a natural hands catcher. So that tells me with that length and athleticism profile, more of a defensive back. And there's nothing wrong with that because he's a six, three kid that I think is going to continue to grow. So yes, they are recruiting him. It seems more as a defensive back than wide receiver as it currently stands. All right, Brandon with the back-to-back. Do you guys know if Xavier Hamilton is a take right now for the staff? I just feel there's guys higher on the board right now. Yeah, Brandon, um, just real quick, we'll hit on this one. Xavier, to our knowledge, is not a take for the staff right now. That could change in the future, but as of right now, it does not appear that he is, he is not. a take. Yes. He is not. Right. So we're going to go now to <laughs> DC, Irish. 12, 13. Do you guys think anyone commits in June? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, Probably. pretty sure. Pretty darn. <laughs> multiples. Yes. Just multiples. It'll be more than two. It'll be more than two. Yes. I agree there. So yes. Great question. It would have been more interesting if you would have answered this, this one yesterday, yes. but there is. Well, yeah. It'd have been more interesting if, if we would, if he would have, if we would have answered it before when he asked it, because when he asked, it was right yes. when the show started, you know, before obviously some news broke. So, yes, yes, uh-huh. we do see that. Uh, we have a we have a lot of musicians in the chat as well, Brian. Uh, someone okay. said they were a sax player since. Okay, there you go. Seven. Nice. Okay, there you go. I, I, I dig that. I mean, you know, we could have y'all play instruments, and I'll, we'll just be the faces of the band, right? Or we can Millie Vanilli this thing and get some real talent out there. Well, you know, I don't know about and that. We just lip sync because I can fake sing, and you know what I mean. Like, 
I can do that, but no. I... Nelly Vanilli. Haven't heard yeah. that in a long time. We're going to go to Bill Fartzer, who is that's uh that's uh, you Vince and Vince, man. You guys name. are like little kids, that's man. His, I was just going to say Vince had the same story. reaction. I wasn't, I wasn't going to laugh. I wasn't going to laugh. <laughs> Bill, appreciate you coming back. How do you think? How do you think? Who do you think? Sorry. Let's 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 read and let's be able to speak here. Who do you think stood out as the best overall player at Irish Invasion? Ryan, we kind of hit on this earlier, but you were impressed, obviously, by Caleb Beasley. Yeah, he was my top guy. And, and there was a, a question that I just starred to, uh, Ryan, if you want to bring that up and we'll respond to that afterwards. I'll have you respond to that and I'll answer the question about the performance. He was outstanding. I mean, to me, he was the best player in all aspects of it. Right now, again, there were some guys that just didn't get a ton of opportunities, a ton of reps. Like the receivers didn't get as many reps as the. There was more DBs than, I mean, more receivers than DBs. I thought because there's receivers, tight ends, and backs, and there's just you know, the corners and safety group wasn't real big numbers wise. But so the DBs got a lot more work. We didn't get a chance to see CJ Carr throwing a lot during the the, the one on one period. You know, Cam Williams didn't take nearly as many reps as as Caleb Beasley, but even if those things happened, I'd have a hard time not having Caleb as my number one guy. Cause he just stood out. He stood out in the testing. He stood out in the agility drills. He stood out in the one-on-ones. He stood out from a character standpoint. He stood out from a engagement showing leaderships. I mean, just you'll, all the things that as a coach you look for, Caleb check. I mean, the boxes like double checks. I mean, I mean, you know, it's permanent marker, you know, them checks on the <laughs> thing, right? Like he was just outstanding. He was, he was just outstanding. So um, th- yeah, that, 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 that would be a, that would be my, I mean, it, it, there really isn't a, for me, a number two that was close to him. Doesn't mean other guys didn't have real good camps. It just meant that he was to me just by far the the best guy at the camp, in my opinion. Now the second question from Ben is, is there any confidence, any confidence level in getting Caleb Beasley, Ryan? I'll allow you to address that one. Yeah, uh, Ben, I, I think right now they're absolutely in the conversation. Like Brian kind of illustrated earlier, it seemed like the parents were very much enjoying their time. It seemed they're high, obviously he's a high, high academic kid from a high academic household, really talented player. So yeah, I think that Notre Dame is in a good spot early. Got him to campus, got to see everything. Had a great, um, great uh, time. Obviously, there at camp, we've spoken to him a little bit recently this morning. So, yeah, I think they're in a good, a good spot with him early. I mean, he he's he's got Bama looking at him. He's got Georgia. I mean, everybody's recruiting Caleb Beasley. That's that's going to be a that's going to be a national one. But I, you know, Notre Dame has put itself in a really good, strong early position. But it's there's yep. there's like to me, I feel really confident. We said it early. We feel really good about where they stand with CJ Carr. We felt really good about where they are with Jack Larson. Really good there with Cam Williams. I love where they are with Caleb Beasley, but that's going to be a different animal, right? Like it's going to be a little different deal getting Caleb Beasley. Right. But Another reason why I really want Caleb Beasley, great kid, great family from what I can tell, uh, great fit at Notre Dame, great player. But more importantly, I, I'll say it again, I want Notre Dame back in Tennessee more. Yes. And you got Prince Collier. He can he can play well and, and shine. I want to see I want to see that one become a factor as well. And, and, and if you're able to get a Caleb Beasley to go along with it, that would be, that would be huge. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I wanted to pull this one up from Tommy off the off the subject here. I can play Hot Cross Guns. I think it's Hot Cross Buns on the recorder. Oh, he did correct yeah, he himself after it, yeah. that. Yeah, I could I too, Tommy. N- I have I could no too. idea what that means. 
Uh, you don't know. You don't know that? No. Okay. Well, in school, in school, oh, we had to learn how to play. Again, Ryan? Oh, what was it again? I don't, I don't want to do it again. Um, okay. Just, just wasn't hum, sure. Maybe hum, I'll hum, maybe I'll figure it out then the second time you hum, do it. Hum hum when you uh, say hot cross buns, but hum it, and okay. that's what it sounds like. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yes, but when you when I was a kid, we had to play the recorder in music appreciation, and that was the song that everybody played. So there you go. Okay. Tommy. Similar childhood, I think, sir. Never heard of that. Yeah. Um, another CJ Carr question. Why? Why not? The world famous Addy Nitro. Where would mm-hmm. you rate CJ if he was in the 2023 class? Just so, so unfair, man. Right. Just a year difference, right? Like it's just very unfair. Other guys have a, a year of physical development on him. I, I'd still probably put him in the top 50, but it would definitely be the bottom of the top 50 because it's such a loaded quarterback class. But you know, it, it, it's hard to do that. I mean, he's 50, 50 to 60. Probably be because again he's a younger and year development and all that kind of stuff. So I would not do that. I would not push to reclassify him. I would not do any of those things. I would let him develop at yes. the right time and the right pace. I'm not a huge fan of kids reclassifying. I, I think I've said this before. If I haven't, I'll say it now. I'm not a big fan of kids reclassifying. I don't mind graduating early. I'm not a big fan of kids reclassifying. More like not morally, but like just big picture wise. I, I keep letting your body grow. Mm-hmm. Keep letting your mind grow. Enjoy your senior year as much as you can, and you know, do prom, do all that stuff. You know, go to, go to the beach with your friends and 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 live your life, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I would just say that for me, there are certain exceptions to the rule. I think, especially for non-football sports, like I had no problem when Olivia Miles reclassified, you know, to play basketball because the physical gap between a junior in college as a basketball player and a junior in, you know, in a, in a junior in high school as a basketball player, isn't as great in my opinion, as it is in football, you know, where there's a risk of injury. There was no risk of injury to Olivia miles. Cause she skipped her senior year basically to go to Notre Dame. I just, I didn't think that there was right for Notre Dame for a football player. There is more of one when you're younger. And so just let, let them develop and, and take that growth and, yeah, you could get more out of, you know, coaching a, a college coaching staff, but you know, I still want to I still want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I I agree completely. It's there's just a lot of layers to it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. I'm not a big fan of reclassification either in football cuz like you said, it's such a it's such a game that's dependent so much on physical development, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's I feel it's weird just kind of rushing that process along. So, right. going to move on to Iris Mojo 25 posse talking about Adrian posse, the quarterback out of Columbus in Miami, Florida looks bigger than advertised and the ball jumped out of his hand. Very impressive. Me and Brian were actually talking about this one mm-hmm. earlier as well. There him. He's up there with the Dylan Riola kid out of Arizona, in my opinion, as far as just pure arm strength, mm-hmm. Adrian posse. He's got a hose, man. He's got, yeah. a, he's got a howitzer for an arm. There's no doubt about it. He just has some Brendan Clark to him though. That's my issue. Yeah. Yep. It's like, man, what a great throw from a velocity. And it's like, oh, it didn't land anywhere close to where he had receivers. He's just a very raw kid in that regard. But it still looked good even when even when it's a misfire. Yeah. So. Great arm, just still learning. Again, sophomore, still right. learning the quarterback position. All right. So now we want to move to. So, Sean. yeah, you, you, you work through those, Ryan, and I'll go through and find some more to start until we Sounds good. until we are we're ready to get up out of here. Yep, we have Sean Kane asking, how is Massachusetts looking for the 2024-2025 recruits, or was that a one-year wonder for 23? Sean, I don't know if I would say one-year wonder. I'll say 2023 was definitely a strange year with the volume, because you talk about, I mean, guys like Lola and and Preston Zinter and Ronan Hannafin, and there's a lot – Bubakar Triori, there's a lot of talent out of the state of Massachusetts in 2023. It seemed like a, a bit of an anomaly. 2024, you do have Gerby Lambert, who is an offensive lineman that has mm-hmm. been offered by the staff. I think there's still only four offensive linemen yeah. that have been offered by that we know of, yeah. Stand, that we know of, yeah. So 2025, I, I haven't really looked too much forward to the Massachusetts area, but I'll say Gerby Lambert's another talented one. I would be surprised, though, if the numbers in 2024, 2025 are as high as 2023, because I just think it was a little bit of an anomaly, just slightly. Mm-hmm. All right. We are going to go to this one. 
Bobby, yes, Bobby, I'm going to read this again, but again, we're going to talk more about this next week. What do we take both Page and Otten before Jagasaw and Freeling decide if we land the first two? What do we do if the latter two went in? Bobby, again, I'd say great question. Stop back with us next week. We're going to yeah. be talking about what that class will look like. I just, because I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how the visit goes. I mean, that's the reason we're ducking the question. Not ducking the question, but that's the reason we want to put it off is I I think it's just going to depend on what the read, the vibe you get from Monroe Freeling is. If you feel like, yeah. you know what, this isn't going to end anytime soon, then you may feel like, okay, maybe you have a different decision to make than like, you know what, I think we really knocked it out of the park with this kid and we got a great shot. So let's see how it goes. Right. So, uh, it's why we're going to wait till next week. We were going to talk about yeah. it today, but yeah. uh, a lot of it would have been conjecture in our opinion. And we, we want to be able to do, we're fine doing that. But I just feel like in this situation with Monroe Freeling coming next week, it'd just be better for all of us to, to let's see how that goes and then discuss it on Monday. It'd be much more of a, um, we'll be dealing with more reality than behind that, that, that conversation than the other. Yeah, so we're, we're going to kind of fast forward through some of the offensive line questions. We will save those all. John, I appreciate week. this. We saw, I saw John Arundel put the super chat out of asking about, you know, CJ Carr and Dante's recruitment. He then saw that it had been discussed earlier. So he <clears throat> said he's going to go back and listen to that later. But I still wanted to at least bring your super chat up to thank you for, for the super chat very, very much. Yeah, John, we really do appreciate that one. Um, I know, Brian, we talked a little bit just about Caleb Beasley a second ago, but Sorry. Gary Nutson asked – take that down. Oh no, you're fine. How did the DBs look this weekend? So you mentioned Caleb Beasley. We mentioned Bronte Johnson. Was there anybody else that stood out in a good or bad way or I don't want to say bad way. Yeah. A there's way. a couple kids I liked, but not necessarily Notre Dame liked to be honest yeah. with you. There was a 24 corner and I'm trying to pull up the, the, uh, the thing that I wrote this morning. Cause I, his name escapes me for the second, but he was a really good player. Just was small. Mm-hmm. And you know that was kind of my issue. He was just undersized, and so that would get him in some trouble. He's a really good football player. Uh, there was a kid from DC that was there that was solid. Nobody that really stood out to me like, oh man, like I remember when like Jalen Elliott was here, Devin Stud still was here, and in the same group. And you're like, wow, you, you got to get these kids right. Like, man, you, you definitely got to go after them. I mean, uh, I didn't really see that, you know, and um, but there were some good players there. I'm trying to find this kid's name uh, real quick. So just give uh, give me a second. Jameer Benjamin was the kid. Uh, he was a really good football player, really good technique, really competitive, you know, really quick feet, but he's just like 5'10", and he doesn't have great, great speed yet, and he's a Michigan kid. Uh, and then Jake, Jacob Oden was there, and he, he had oh, yeah. some good moments. You know, he had some good moments, but he wasn't quite as tall as I had hoped he would be. And, you know, his he, – he, He's a good player that I would continue to recruit, but he's just not a guy that I would take right now. I would I would want to see him go into his junior year, continue to develop as a player. And I mean, the sure. only guy that I would take right now for sure in the that was there this weekend was, was Caleb Beasley. You know, Bronte Johnson again. He's got some other things he's got to work out and all that, but you know, he'd be the next one. But after that, there's nobody that I would definitely take that was there this weekend for me. There was like a kid that we talked about, like Miles from Chicago. Really yeah. liked the kid a lot, and I was impressed by him. But he was more—he he wasn't necessarily a, a Notre Dame liked him. You know what I mean? At least not yet. Because again, we're talking about rising juniors. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I saw yesterday. Important to keep noting that we're talking about kids that are not even juniors. In yeah. And some of these kids are going to like <laughs> just make huge jumps over the next two years, and you're like, "Boy, I wish you maybe you wish you could have taken that kid two years ago." But you can only go off of what you see now, and what your projection is. Um, and, and some guys that look like studs are going are already kind of hit their right. thrush. Yeah, this is who they're yeah. growth spurts. You know, yeah, this so. is who they're going to be. Hey, and and real quick too, I want to tell people sometimes people jump in the chat late. We're now two hours and thirteen minutes into this ch- show, right? And sometimes people jump in and they didn't hear the first part of the show where maybe we talked about something, right? So if somebody asks a question that you is that's been addressed or multiple times. Just let them know, hey, look, just no, no big deal. It's already been talked about. It's the beginning. Don't jump down their throat, okay, because they're not – it's not like they're sitting there. It's not like John was listening for two hours and decided, I think I'm going to ask this question again because I forgot what the answer was. People jump in late, right? So there's no need to jump down their throat uh, if they're just yep. asking a question, especially if they give a super chat because they're helping support us. So we don't, we don't really – you know, again, appreciate the fact that we're trying to clean that up, but just we don't, we don't need to – We'll need to respond that way to people, but uh, but we certainly, like I said, appreciate the super chat very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's a different one: a layer of potential CJ Carr. Travis Connor asks if they land Carr, does it take a little bit of pressure off the 2023 wide receiver recruiting 
as you'd feel more confident in getting game ready guys in 2024. Hmm. I'd say not for me. I mean, hmm. I, I think 2023 is really important. Like you need a really good four man class, in my opinion, maybe a five, if you can get an athlete like a Ronan Hannafin in the class, right? Like I, I think that you need those numbers in the near future because the depth is not great for the wide receiver room. And 2024 is great. I think that they need to sign two great numbers back to back years because of what the depth depth is right now. But I don't think that that takes the pressure off of getting dudes in the 2023 class. Mm-hmm. I think it's paramount that you do that. Yeah. I think for me, the, the question, what I would say is, is that the way I would look at this discussion is, does getting a kid like CJ Carr help with 2023 recruiting in an area where, you know, right now Dante Moore is not jumped in the class. And so you don't have that quarterback to sell. Now you can sell the kids. Hey, we got CJ and we're still hoping to get Dante. I think it helps there. And then if you get Dante Moore to go with CJ Carr, I mean, at this point in time, Notre Dame's going to have a very easy, easy time. Um, very easy time recruiting quarterback at that point or receivers at that point in time. I was asked a question uh, mm-hmm. from someone who sent me a, a Twitter question during the show. Okay. And it was, uh, is CJ Carr mobile? And, and athletic enough to be mobile when in trouble? Yes and yes. He's a good athlete. And that's one of the things I talk about at the beginning of the show. He's much more of a runner in high school than Dante Moore is. I mean, he, he I wouldn't call him a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he, he's more Brady Quinn than he is Tyler Buckner. But he's he's a mobile quarterback. He's going to run for a couple hundred yards a year. He's going to be a move the chains, like not quite what Ian Book was, because I think Ian kind of ran himself into trouble at times. But he's going to be able to get out of the pocket if he needs to. He's a guy that you can run read zone with if you need to. You know, third and four, he can pull that sucker and run. He's an athletic. He's a good athlete. That's why I was. That's why I use the the lacrosse comparison, Ryan, because like he's he's like that lacrosse type, that strong, you know, kind of twitchy lacrosse kind of athlete, lacrosse build. And, and for people that know anything about lacrosse, and again, I don't, I don't know the game, but I know the athletes, right. and they're usually like taller, stronger. I mean, you know, you got to be pretty strong to play lacrosse. You got to be agile. You have to have really good feet. You have to have some speed, you know, because they got to run, you know, down and back and forth. And and that's why I like that comparison for for him as a quarterback. I, I think that's a, you know, he doesn't have Tyler Buckner's speed. He's not the runner that Tyler Buckner is, but he's a kid that can manipulate the pocket, move the pocket, and if there's a hole, he's going to run and he can go. You know, this he's not he's not Jack Cohn as an athlete, right? He he he's a good athlete. There's yeah. no there's no doubt about it. Yeah, not many people are Tyler Buckner athletes. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. So, so I want to bring up Tyler Bedwell who says, Why did Cade McNamara leave the Notre Dame class way back then? Is there a potential we see another situation like that with CJ Carr, i.e. committed for well over a year, then bounces last minute? I, I just I want I mean the second part of that, I don't like speculating on that, right? Like if CJ Carr is in the class, I'm gonna think that he's gonna be in the class for the long haul. I'm not gonna be negative about that. Brian, maybe you could give us some insight though into the Cade McNamara situation. I remember when he was committed to Notre Dame, but I don't remember what the overlying why you know he left the class and went to Michigan he was a year ahead of I think he just committed too soon number one and number two Notre Dame took Tyler Buckner super early and they loved Tyler Buckner super early he was a highly ranked kid and I just think that CJ or that Cade looked at Michigan as a better fit I think he always liked Michigan I just I I feel like the combination of Buckner and I don't think he was ever sold on his commitment to begin with, to be honest with you. Uh, I think are a, a big reasons why K decommitted from Notre Dame. Um, I, you know, and again, I don't look at it from the same way. He was afraid of competition. It's just more of, as I said, when you're uncertain of something or things are kind of, you know, you're, you're, you can have that. And, and, and I don't think necessarily quarterback recruiting at the time was, was super, super great. You know, and uh, for a host of reasons. So I, the here's what we can't do. You can't every time a kid commits, you can't like find the one worst case scenario situation and be like, gee, I hope this doesn't happen again. The reality is, is that it Notre Dame said a lot of kids commit early. It wasn't just CJ Carr. Phil Dracovic committed super early. Tyler Buckner committed super early. Drew Pine committed super early. None of those kids decommitted. They're still they're still here. Right. CJ, you know, um, Steve Angeli didn't commit this early, but he committed a whole year race. I mean, you know, before senior year, he didn't decommit. Uh, so there's been a lot of cases where kids committed early and stayed. Uh, you know, McNamara was the anomaly. 
not the not something that's been a trend. So we 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 can't look at the one situation that was terrible and be like, gee, I hope this doesn't happen again because it's it was a, a you rare unique c- circumstance in my opinion. Yeah, it was like Massachusetts in 2023, man. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of an anomaly, right? right. So let's right. move on to Jason Saxton. Do you think that Reese and others have already talked to more about the potential car commit transparency? Is that is that something they talk about, Brian? Yes. Up front? Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, whether they bring it up or he brings it up, it's been discussed. Mm. It's been discussed. And it's not like they've hidden the fact that they're recruiting CJ Carr. You know, and, and Dante, as far as I know, has never asked a school to not recruit kids the year after him. I, Never heard that. Never heard that before. You'll hear that sometimes, Ryan. You'll hear you'll you'll as you do, are in this business longer. You'll hear more five star. You'll hear five stories of big time kids say, you know, don't recruit so you know such and such next year. And it's some crazy. schools will listen. Most don't because usually it's a sign that like mm, this kid doesn't want to compete, and that's not a kid that we want. We're going to want a championship with. Mm-hmm. So yes, I would I would say that that has that conversation has been had. In my got opinion. it. Got it. Got it. So we only have a couple questions left um, unless we get something in here soon. If uh, from toe jam, 1992, 1992 was almost a great year. 91 was a little better though. If a kid is pulling in $1 million in NIL, wouldn't that hurt make them ineligible for financial aid slash scholarships? It would make them ineligible for uh, academic scholarships. Mm-hmm. An athletic scholarship is in no way. So the way it works is there's there's multiple scholarships that you can earn in college. At a place like Notre Dame, there's obviously athletic scholarships. There's academic scholarships that are based primarily on your academic excellence. There's also some, you know, uh, you're also involved in this community service and this extracurricular thing like that. Uh, there's there's like different types of minority scholarships, you know, scholarships for if you're an African-American, if you're an Asian-American, if you're a foreign student, there's all types of different scholarships that students have that you have to meet the criteria for. Not all of them are tied to your 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 financial prowess. Now, there are other scholarships that you can be available for available for that have to do with your financial need or your this, what a lot of schools will do is they'll say, OK, well, how much can this kid pay based on his FAFSA? Well, this kid can pay this much. So what we'll then do is, you know, his academic scholarship will be this. We'll give him this, you know, to help pay for it or, you know, because a lot of schools are going to want to get that government money as opposed to giving up the money from their endowments and the scholarships and all that kind of stuff. Or they'll say, hey, look, you know, we have $20,000 to split up between four scholarships. We have four kids that can pay up to, five, you know, enough to where that that five that 5000 can then get four kids into school because they can't meet the full need. There's those type of things. Those things are in no way, shape, form, or fashion uh, have anything to do with academic, athletic scholarships. You do not get punished or pen, or, or 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 helped or aided by uh, your academic by your your academics in regards to an athletic scholarship or your financial situation outside of are you eligible to receive it academically? As long as you're eligible to receive it, there's no like get more of a athletic scholarship because you're here or less of an athletic scholarship because you're here academically. As long as you're eligible and you get the, whatever the NCA, you know, GPA test score thing is, then you're good to go. So they're, they're different. They're different types. It looks like we are down to our final question from Brandon Plesner. Cam Williams versus Nick Marsh. Could they both be takes? Would they both be takes? Who do you like more? How do they compare? Brian, I think for me they're they're completely different players. Uh, Nick Marsh is a six three, kind of long, more of a boundary type receiver. We've talked about Cam during the show. Cam's more of that Lorenzo style, silky smooth guy that's going to probably play more to the field, but maybe could play into the boundary at times, but not a traditional boundary type wide receiver. Nick is great with the ball in the air, has great length, physicality at the catch point. So they're just different players, Brandon. I'm always personally, and this is a little bit of a bias thing. I'm always going to prefer the guy that can do more. So I kind of just think Cam could do a little bit more from a route running perspective, from a alignment perspective. So I'm always going to prefer that guy a little bit to just the traditional boundary player. But we've seen traditionally Mm -hmm. the boundary spot has been a very important element in Notre Dame's offense, and they need that type of player. So different styles. I guess Cam I would prefer just slightly, but Nick is a very talented player as well. Would they both be takes? 
well, it's a question that we'll have to answer at a later date, right? We're still yeah. kind of working at the wide receiver board's pretty big yeah. to start so far in 2024. So we'll get the, the information on there. But right now, I think that they're both very talented receivers in 2024. Yep. There you go. I agree with what you said, by the way. Oh, and then just this last one real quick, Terry Tyler, yep. uh, did Charlie Jones enter the portal? He did. That's the receiver from Iowa. He did enter the portal. Uh, I do know that Notre Dame, I believe that Notre Dame had some interaction with him, but uh, everything that we've heard is he's going to be going to Purdue, not Notre Dame. So that's where we're at. So Ryan, I think that's it, man. So why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? All right. Well, appreciate everybody again for joining us today. Before you leave, if you could please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell and share this podcast. We hope everybody out there enjoyed the recruiting hour here today on Monday. I am Ryan. This is Brian from all of us at Irish Breakdown. We thank you again for joining us today on the Irish Breakdown podcast. We'll